In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In her sermon last week, Mother Becca alluded to a friendly argument that she, Deacon Kelly, and I had over the parable of the ten bridesmaids. What she didn't tell you is that I dislike that parable so much that I went so far as to suggest that I don't think Jesus ever even told it. There's so much in that story that contradicts the Jesus that I know. Jesus is all about taking care of those in need. So what on earth is he doing setting up a scenario where the wise bridesmaids refuse to share their oil with the foolish ones? As far as I can tell, Jesus was not a capitalist. And so to suggest that the foolish bridesmaids go to the market after midnight to secure more oil is just absurd. Why, when the foolish bridesmaids return, having surely paid a hefty premium for their after-hours oil, does the bridegroom not open the door when they knock to be let in? Was it not Jesus who said, knock, and the door will be open unto you? And finally, if all ten bridesmaids fall asleep, but five still get to go to the party, why does the teaching end with Jesus saying, keep awake? doesn't make any sense, and so I'm not buying it. The same goes with this week's parable. It is just so full of ickiness. That's a theological term, I assure you. I can't imagine this coming from Jesus. This parable, like the one last week, which it follows, come from the fifth discourse that Jesus has in Matthew's Gospel. It's called the Little Apocalypse. The setting is Holy Week. It's probably Monday. Jesus and his disciples are outside of Jerusalem, sitting on the Mount of Olives, when his disciples ask him about the end of the age. In response, Jesus gives them a pretty straightforward apocalyptic vision about false teachers and natural disasters and wars and the desolating sacrilege. But, Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels, not even me, so be faithful and keep watch. From there, Matthew has Jesus telling three parables, the second of which we heard last week. Today, we heard the third. All three parables are on the theme of keep watch. They all deal with the question of what to do if Jesus delays his return. Matthew's gospel was written somewhere between the years 75 and 90. Uh, the generation that had walked with Jesus was all but gone. And people were really beginning to wonder, what do we do if Jesus isn't coming back tomorrow? And all three of the parables in Matthew 24 and 25 try to answer that question. In the first parable, which we did not hear, one servant says, My master is delayed, but I will keep busy so that I'm ready when he returns. The second servant says, My master is delayed, so I'm going to get drunk on his wine and eat all of his food. Now clearly, the first servant is the wise one. 
but we could do without the second servant getting chopped into pieces in verse 51. The five bridesmaids who brought extra oil planned on a long wait and were rewarded. But like I said, I am not keen on what happens to the other five. And finally, in this parable, we have the story of a payday loan shark who decided to go on vacation and wants his top three managers to continue to make profits in his absence. A talent is not a small sum of money. A talent is a unit of measurement that's roughly equivalent to 6,000 denarii. A denarius is one day's wage. In Kentucky in 2023, the average wage is $25.36 an hour. That's $202.88 a day. 6,000 days of work, a little over 23 years if you take weekends off, adds up to $1,217,280. That's what the third servant got. The second servant was in charge of $2.4 million, and the first had a little more than $6 million to work with. In the common reading of this parable, Jesus is assumed to be the landowner who, after his ascension, goes away for a long time and leaves the building of the kingdom of God to those he's left behind. Faithful disciples with a strong Protestant work ethic roll up their sleeves and get to work, investing the gifts and talents that they've been given to make more disciples. Sometimes those gifts are used in the church, preaching, teaching, and the like. For others, those gifts are used out in the world, entrepreneurship, real estate development, skilled nursing, intended to make money to fund the work of the church. Either way, the goal is kingdom profit maximization. The harder you work, the happier Jesus will be when he comes back. But woe to you who don't use your gifts, for you will be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You starting to get why I don't like this parable very much? Where's the grace? Where's the community? Where's the Holy Spirit that is promised to work alongside us in building up the kingdom of God? Christian educator Debbie Thomas felt the same kind of ick about this parable a couple of years ago when she was preparing to write about it. She was sitting at her dining room table and her son saw the expression of ickiness on her face and asked her what she was working on. And so she read him the parable. That's great, he said. It sums up everything about Christianity. I love it. Clearly confused, she asked him what exactly he loved about this parable. Oh, isn't it obvious, he said. I love how the third slave is the hero in this story. Remember how I described that landowner, a payday loan shark? Contextually, that's not far off of what he was. If he could hand his three managers $10 million while he goes off traveling, he's probably in the top 1% or close to it. He likely made his wealth extending loans to poor farmers at an interest rate somewhere between 60 and 
when inevitably they couldn't repay because you can never repay at interest rates like that. He would foreclose on their farm and make them work that land for his profit. He, of course, never did any of the dirty work. He had three managers who took care of that for him, and he expected them to continue to work while he went traveling. Two of them did, and wow, did they produce. 100% return on their investment. The third, the third decided not to participate. When asked to make an account, he called out his boss. You are a harsh man. You reap where you do not sow, and you gather where you do not scatter seed. Loosely translated, that means you're a scoundrel and a thief. Rather than further lend his money to steal more land, the third manager simply buried it so it couldn't do any more damage. And as a result, he was cast into outer darkness. Four days after Jesus told this parable, he too would find himself in outer darkness. Hanging on a cross, feeling utterly forsaken by his father, Jesus would pay the price of the third servant for refusing to play ball with the powers that be. But that's not the end of Jesus's story. With God's grace, he rises again to shine the light of God's love in a world that is mired in the darkness of greed and power and sin. Jesus will show us that the kingdom of God looks like the third servant who sought to undo systems of exploitation and oppression. Rather than threaten us with outer darkness, Jesus invites us to see all the good that we can do and to join him in building the kingdom of God. What we deem icky, Jesus came to redeem so that hopefully one day, not too long from now, the whole world will be restored to wholeness, the wholeness that God dreamed for it from the beginning, where the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, the oppressed are set free, and above all else, love reigns. Amen.